If you've been to Soul Cycle recently, chances are you're familiar with this week's guest on Cityscape. Maybe not by name, but by his lockers. Hi, I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. Travis Hallman is the CEO of Dallas-based Hallman Inc., which has designed lockers for SoulCycle and many other clients, from major sports teams to the New York Times. Travis joins us now to talk more about his company's history and some of its many projects here in New York City. Travis, thanks so much for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. So your dad, Joe, founded this company in 1976. How would you say locker rooms have evolved over that time? Oh, my gosh. In 1976, he founded a company that started to do racquetball courts. And uh, I don't know exactly why, but it grew into a locker company. And now we're, we still do racquetball and squash courts, but about 99% of our business is lockers. But the locker started in 86. And back in 86, they were just simple wood doors on top of uh, melamine boxes. And now we've got all sorts of technology from facial recognition, software in them to, uh, you know, mo- I'm, you go down to an e- or a soul cycle and they all have charging stations in them. Um, different types of materials are being used and um, just some really far out interesting things, especially with all the millennials and all the stuff that's happening with the locker rooms starting to become part of the office environment. All the materials have really changed from anti-fingerprint stuff to antimicrobial so you can't get sick in them anymore. Um, there's just a lot of there's a lot of technology in that little box. Yeah, I would think that's critical for gyms, for sports teams to have lockers that can resist bacteria. Yeah, there's um it it actually started a uh, there wasn't such a thing here about five or six years ago, and there was an outbreak in the 49ers. Um, they got a staph infection going, and they lost a lot of players, and they lost some games. And then there was a real push to get it, and Sherwin Williams finally came up with a coating about two years ago. But it's got to be put on through a special machine, and I know we're the only locker company in the country that has that machine. But all of our stuff is antimicrobial now, and then all of the laminates have come out. Um, there's different types, but all the laminates and millimenes, we can now get most of those in antimicrobial so they won't actually hold the bacteria anymore. How many sports teams are you working with? Oh, gosh. We've worked with over uh, 10,000 colleges over the years. Um, and right now we're working with, we just did the Chicago Bears. Um, we're doing, God, we're doing a, just a bunch of We're doing the Rangers right now. We're doing um, the uh the teams, I can't say it, but the teams up in Boston. Um, New York would appreciate <laughs> until, that. <laughs> until they can't come out. Uh, but we do a lot of colleges. We're doing, actually, Rutgers is redoing. That was the birthplace of college football. Um, they're redoing all their locker rooms up there right now from everything from their football to their basketball to their uh, fencing to everything in between. Just all over the place. We do, we, we, we do our not just athletics, but we send out about 25 jobs a day all over the country and all over the world. And um, so there's always hundreds and hundreds of jobs going on. How varied are what teams want? Are you catering to the individual team because their needs are different? It's a case-by-case basis. Teams are crazy. We're just, we did Florida State four years ago and we're, you know, we're looking at redoing them now. But they come in and they really want something Four or five years ago, they kind of were all taking the same type of locker um, because it was a big upgrade from what they had. 
And now they all want something so custom. They want it made. They want something that's never been done before. Everybody comes in with something, and and that's the first thing they ask: what has never been done before? So we are, we have an R and D department um, that just in that area, it's three people, and all they're doing is is sourcing materials. In fact, I'm going to Germany in two weeks just to source materials for uh, lockers, and it's um, but the materials are coming most the the new stuff's coming out of Europe. And uh, you just got to be up on it. But they're all wanting just – I mean, the Rangers have five charging stations because their people play play video games, and there's so much downtime in baseball. The Bears wanted something really bright, so they've got LED lights and these light boxes coming down, and it just looks like something from outer space. You know, Texas A&M was um, probably the most expensive locker – was the most expensive locker room done to date. And uh, the whole thing is made out of a – you know, basically like almost a Corian type of material and antimicrobial and all hangs off the wall, doesn't even sit on the floor. And, you know, just they just want different stuff. It's it's amazing. You recently worked here in New York with Columbia University football and basketball, right? Yep, we did. We did that. That turned out fantastic. And we do so much stuff in New York. I know you guys are out in New York. You know, we do all the equinoxes and soul cycles and the um, we do all the New York Health and Rack and New York Sports Clubs. Uh, we did did the um, New York Athletic Club. We've got all the, you know, we just, in fact, we do all the WeWork stuff. And Peloton just built an amazing studio out there also. SoulCycle is the most Instagram locker in the world. They've been a customer for a long time. Um, and they're, they are the ones, SoulCycle actually has pushed the button, pushed lockers forward about as fast as anybody else. They've gone to all sorts of different materials, different coloring, uh, different types of locking mechanisms, and um, they were the first people to integrate um, charging stations in all their lockers. And now since they've, they're kind of the market leader, everybody else has followed. How much of your business is the fitness market? Fitness market's probably right around 30% of our business. And then beyond that, you're dealing with sports teams. You're dealing with pretty much everyone, the New York Times. Yeah, we did the New York Times. Uh, they got red lockers last year. It was beautiful. Um, the big thing right now is the locker rooms inside of um, the companies. Um, Apple, ExxonMobil, Ford, Verizon, J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Boeing, PepsiCo. Um, in fact, we're doing right now we're doing Citibank, uh, the Citibank headquarters, on Greenwich Street, 38 floors, they've got lockers on every floor because they've got this flat desk experience and they need lockers for a personal space. So those lockers had to be able to be charging. They have to have stuff that people um, can ride their bikes there. They've got bike helmets because they've got those city bikes downstairs. They've got different, all sorts of different configurations in those lockers so that people can put all their personal belongings. Yeah, a great way to clear up the workspace, right, by having another place to put those belongings. Well, they, in the workspace, they don't have any place for them, their own stuff. So they get a desk. They come in every day, and they get to pick whatever desk they want new for that day. So the, the locker becomes very important. That is their only space inside of that business that is their own personal space. How different is it to design a locker for a gym or a sports team compared to a place like the New York Times or J.P. Morgan? Well... You know, the New York Times and J.P. Morgan, th- those big companies, we spend a lot of time and energy with them to, to get the spec just right. After they decide on what they want to do, like, for example, J.P. Morgan, once we've got to the final specification, 
then they just buy that out for everybody in the country. So there's a lot of upfront time in those specs. Um, there's a lot of antimicrobial and fingerprint-resistant materials in there. The locking mechanisms in there had to be, be able to be viewed at different levels. So we had to come up, we had to change some of our, our locks and get with our locking manufacturer and redesign some things, um, which we've now used in other places. So there was a lot of upfront effort dealing with the big companies, but once you get it figured out, it's just rolls through the rest of them. The sports teams all want to be individual, and it's a different locker. For example, um, Rutgers, I'll give you an example. Rutgers, I just got done. We were working on it. We have over 150 purchase orders for one locker at Rutgers. A J.P. Morgan locker will have about six or seven purchase orders. Hmm. The football is just that much more sophisticated than a, you know, than a um, normal locker. But the J.P. Morgan locker, we spent six months getting it right before we decided to roll it out across the country. So much thinking goes into the creation of a locker, right? Even to where you store your sneakers, correct? So there's air and it doesn't stink up the locker. Yeah, what we do is we um, actually Holman came up with this back in 2006. We were the first person, people to really do a big locker room, which was uh, Oklahoma State. And what we did was we designed a an HVA system where it pushes the air in the middle of the room, and then it sucks the air out through the locker, and so there's no smell in, in, inside of the locker room. What we've gone further now is we make these, these spaces. We're trying to get 40 um, CFM in these spaces, which is the amount of air coming through. And so we're actually making drying spaces in these lockers so that if you have something wet or, you know, like in baseball, for example, they never dry their pants anymore. Their pants are all hung wet. So in all of our baseball lockers, we have special um, areas where you put your pants. And when that door closes, it creates the airflow of 40 CFM out of the locker. And so it, we have these drying stations. It's worked out remarkably well. And it's uh, the trainers love it because there's no smell, but they also love it because everything's getting dry. So if you're playing football at night... Uh, for practicing, you come in the next morning, all your stuff's going to be dry. What would you say is the most advanced locker room you've developed to date? You know, the craziest thing we've, we've, and this is, we did the Apple World headquarters. And Steve Jobs, it was, a, this was the strangest thing I've ever, this interesting story. We went out and we showed up at Apple on this job. Everybody in the world bid this job. So we show up. And there's a hole in the ground, and there's just a trailer, one trailer out there. And I was like, what the heck's going on? So we walk into the trailer, and, and um, I'm with a couple of people that I work with. And, you know, they said, how are you? You know, I said, I'm going to get the order today. And I asked them first thing. I said, can I, you know, are we going to do the job? And they said yes. And so we got excited there. And I said, why, did, why are we here now? And they said, Steve uh, designed two things in this building. He designed the lockers. And he designed the glass, the round glass at the outside of the building. And so in his honor, those are the two things we're buying before we buy anything else. And that I thought that was great. The problem with that is then we decided to have a meeting once a week for until the lockers ride, which took two years. Hmm. And inside this locker, we had to re-engineer all the hinges, everything inside the locker, including the locks, they all wanted every screw to be the same, made out of the same exact material, which they weren't, as the hinges, as the strike plates, as everything in there. It was a 
two-year, once-a-week meeting on one box. Wow. It was incredible. And, I mean, the stuff, we were flying stuff in from Europe. And so then we get it out there, right? So we get, we're, we're out there, and, you know, two years later, we go, we put these six, that it said it's on a six-inch base. So we put our bases down like we do every time, and we walk out of there, and we get this call, and they said, your bases are all the wrong height. And we said, they're six inches. And the guy goes, no, they're supposed to be, like, 47 and a half feet above sea level. We're like, what, what do you mean sea level? Well, everything in the whole building's off sea level here at Apple. And I'm like, oh, my God. Ended up we were a half inch too high. We cut the top off by half inch. But uh, that was the Apple job was absolutely incredible. The attention to detail um, that Apple made us go through was incredible. In fact, even at the end of the job, they came back and they said, okay, well, they have to, have to be held down for seismic for earthquakes. And we're like, well, that wasn't the original thing in he said, yeah, the inspector goes, but we don't want to see it. Like, well, how do you hold a locker to the ground without putting a screw in it? So then we had to hand invent. We had to basically come up and invent these these brackets from underneath that held the thing down. And it was ama- it was an amazing thing. But um, those some of those big companies can really push you how to think and become better. And it was a great thing for our company, but it was a big headache, too. Yeah, yeah. Is that the project you're most proud of or is there another one? That's probably the project we're most proud of just because of the amount of detail involved in every single piece of that project. And it turned out great. Apple was over the top happy. In fact, we're doing we do a lot of work with them now because of that. A lot of people here in New York are still celebrating the opening of Hudson Yards. You had a hand in that project? We've done a lot in that project. Um, you know, we did of course Equinox, Equinox Hotel, CNN, Time Warner. Uh, we've done about eight different firms in that. But the thing that's interesting we're doing now, and I, I'll give you a little teaser on it, we're doing the suit-up lockers for the edge. Um, the edge is the observation deck up in the middle of the sky there in Hudson Yard. And I, they will not tell us what the suit-up lockers are, um, so I can't confirm exactly what they're for. That's what they're called. All I can tell you is the material I can't, give you what the material is because we're assigned to some pieces on that. I can't expose that, but um, it is going to be out of this world fantastic. I have no idea what they're going to use this, use them for, but they are they are putting suit-up lockers at the top of that in that uh, the edge. Huh. You're making me so think that maybe we could jump off of that edge. <laughs> I have no idea what they're for, but they're uh, and the material they're made out of is real – NASA quality type of stuff. It's really interesting. It's um, it's going to be so. All you New Yorkers, when you get a chance, when it opens up, go up and find out what those lockers are used for because I don't even know. But um, I do know they're going to be cool. What work have you done with MoMA? Um, we did lockers there. That was a, a while ago, but we did we did we've done lockers. Uh, we did lockers there for them a couple years ago. We do lockers for actually a lot of the museums. We just did the uh, Louvre also in uh, Saudi Arabia, um, big glass lockers. But MoMA, we did lockers there about, I think that was about five years ago. Um, just beautiful, clean lockers. I believe they're, they're having their guests put their, um, you know, their wallets and everything else in there. What would you say is the shelf life of a locker? When does an institution come to you and say, Travis, you know what, we need to replace these? You know, it all depends. Um, you know, we've had lockers there since... 86. I mean, we that still look good. I've I've been out. Uh, I was in Boston at a place that we did the Boston um, 
squash club, and they still have the lockers from probably 86, 87. But most companies, how things work nowadays is most companies are always upgrading. Equinox redoes their lockers about every seven to eight years. Um, you know, if you go to a restaurant now, all their decor is being redone about every seven to eight years. So I think our lockers in normal are being redone about every 10 to 12 years, a little bit longer than that. But most of these places, they never, they're never they not worn out by that time at all. They're just wanting to upgrade because they've got competition coming in. And they've got to be up on top of the latest designs. I mean, back in the 90s when I was here, we were selling all the uh, teal and salmon color lockers. And, uh, you know, the, they finally, that color was so hot and then it wore out. And, you know, all those things had to be transferred, you know, transferred into something that was up to date. So um, usually the, the, it's not the lockers wear out. It's usually just the trend of the materials. What's the hot color now? Believe it or not, we're getting back into some light teals. Are some, we really? <laughs> and some light salmons are... It's it it's some yellows and stuff. Um, it's it's honestly getting back to the '90s. We just we're because we deal with all the architects of you know the Ginslers and that that type of architect. We go around and and all of our paint companies they come in and they give us all the you know they've got all their projections of all the new colors and stuff. So we're pretty much on top of the new colors. But the new colors for 2020 are going to be. Yeah, kind of light these kind of a light green and and kind of a light pinkish and yellows and kind of those almost pastel colors. Speaking of projections, what are your projections in terms of revenue? Your company is doing really well. Yeah, we're, we've done well. Um, we've had a great revenue increase. Um, and, you know, we're we're doing about uh, $75 million now. And I think that um, with the office space, we're looking to get that. Uh, we'd like to get to about $200 million next year six or seven years. How do you feel about that growth? I mean, did you see it coming? When did you take over this business from your father? Uh, I took over the company in 2011. I bought it from my father. And uh, we were doing, when I came, I I was here in the 90s and, and you know, family business. I kind of got let go about 2001, uh, not seeing eye to eye with him. And 2011, I got a call and said, hey, the company's, um, my, my father had moved overseas and said the company needs to have some attention that we were doing about six million in business at that time, and uh, so I made a deal with them, and we took it over in two thousand first January one of two thousand eleven, and since then we've had a great growth. Um, but you know, it's the lockers are interesting. Um, you know, back in two thousand eleven, there wasn't seventy five million dollars worth of lockers being sold in America. Um, now, you know, with this advent of this of this workspace this this shared space you know we work as one of our customers all this all this shared space the the, the amount of lockers that are needed are um, incredible on some of these jobs i mean just in the city bank we've got like 8000 openings just in that one building wow you know so we're getting these big huge projects and then i don't know why all of our us con- people are taking us overseas so we're doing a lot of work in europe um, we're actually doing – we're the biggest locker supplier to the Middle East now. Um, we're a big locker supplier to Australia, um, a big locker supplier to Australia, believe it or not, and we're going into South America. So we're looking at places to build new plants and do things um, based on what we're seeing as the growth. But I think um, I think we're tip, 
that we're at the very tipping point of this office space deal. It's either going to go, which everybody thinks it's going to go, or it's going to fall short. But Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan and Amex and all of the banking places have put the, their lockers in, and they're just on the. I mean, J.P. Morgan was our second biggest customer last year, hmm. um, which is wild because you know it, they just kind of rolled it out. We've got, you know, we're doing stuff for the, uh, you know, we do stuff for Republics, which is the garbage people. We do garbage lockers for all the garbage men. There's just so many places where people need lockers, and there's this – everything's getting smaller and more compressed in these areas, and there's so much more sharing space and collaborative space that they don't have their own – You know, they're, 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 we're basically going back to a spot where everybody's working kind of in one group together, almost like high school, and everybody needs a place to store their personal belongings. Sure. As you mentioned, it wasn't a straight path for you to run this company. You made a turn that took you to Hollywood first. Oh, yeah. I went to Hollywood first. <laughs> I went uh, – oh, my gosh. Yeah, we went – Did uh, I did a, a, a TV show with Mark Burnett called Bully Beatdown. For MTV? We, uh, for MTV. We actually had the first uh, uh, reality fight show on TV, Mixed Martial Arts – and I actually took it to Spike when Spike was brand new, and Spike sent me a letter, which I still have, that said there will never be mixed martial arts on TV. It just won't happen. And um, we finally got on with Mark Burnett for three years, and then his fees got a little high, and uh, MTV didn't want to pay him. He got to about a quarter million dollars an episode, and they, that killed that. But that was fun. I did a movie with Faye Dunaway, Robert Loja, and uh, called Rain. It was That was an interesting experience. But I always knew I liked this business, so I was kind of – when I got the opportunity to come back to it, I, I really liked dealing with, you know, the, my my people in the plant and selling direct and the customers. And I don't know. It just is a business my brain understands. Uh, the movie business is crazy fun. Now my wife's on The Real Housewives of Dallas. Yeah. So we're back in the damn uh, – back in the business <laughs> I again. was going to say you still um, have a toe in Hollywood <laughs> with Stephanie. What's it like to be part of a reality TV show yourself? Oh, my gosh. They're they're over at our house all the time. It's, it's, they're over at our house all the time. It's, it's, it's just – you know, it's, um, it's interesting because you just get um, – you, you're almost used to it now. You know, it's, it's just – pretty much used to people being around you all the time. And uh, when they do film, they film for about, you know, four months, a year. And then they do pick up scenes and then, you know, then it airs. So it's it's about a nine-month-a-year job of for her for social media or whatever. But it's 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 interesting. Do you watch it's it? It's really interesting. Oh, yeah. I watch it. Um, just to, <laughs> I want to know what's happening. We get it. We get it a few days beforehand. And I watch it because they want the girls to uh, – you know, to tweet and stuff. So I, we watch it, and I just want to make sure that we don't look so bad and, you know, don't have to call my PR company to try to get on top of anything. <laughs> but it, it's very interesting. Um, you know, it's 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 reality TV. It's non-scripted TV. But, there's you know, most of it's real. You know, some of it they're, you know, it's all real, but they're trying to, you know, sometimes the producers push some things and push some buttons that they know they know what to do. They're, they're good at their jobs. You also had a stint as an entrepreneur. You founded a drink called Vacation in a Bottle. Yep. I did the first relaxation drink ever invented. Um, and we launched in Dallas. 
And within two years, we had over 400 competitors. Wow. I was given interview after interview. They thought it would go to half a billion dollar uh, segment in the drink business. And now, uh, 11 years later, there is not, I don't even know if there's a real drink left in the market for that. I know there's some little shot drinks still out there, but I think all the relaxation drinks are gone, except I guess if they're putting weed in them now, Hmm. those are starting to take off again. But, you know, that's not here in Dallas. So, Did you come up with that. that name, Vacation in a Bottle? That's a cool name. Yeah, we came up with that name. It's called Vibe, V-I-B, Vacation in a Bottle. Um, and it was, a, it was a great name. It was a great company. It was a great idea. Um, that segment just didn't take off. And then I also did uh, – I was having fun back then. We also did the Marshmallow Gun, if anybody's ever seen the Marshmallow Shooters. Oh, yeah. We invented that. You did. Had that, yeah, had that toy company for about huh. uh, 11 years. We sold that about three years ago to the uh, – Chinese manufacturer that's manufacturing it. They wanted a presence for toys in America. And we got out right before the Toys R Us collapsed and everything else. So I think we got out at a pretty good time. Last year, you were named Most Admired CEO by the Dallas Business Journal. Did that take yeah. you by surprise? Yeah, it did. Um, you know, we, we, you know it's, a, it's interesting having a privately held company, and we've been very lucky for our growth. And um, about two years ago, I came to, I, I go on this this trip once a year with, to uh, Richard Branson's island with him and about, there's about 15 people that go down. In fact, I'm going here in a couple of months. And uh, so we were talking about education, everything else. And, you know, now we'd, we'd been focused, the sole company had been focused on growth, growth, growth. And I said, you know, let's become a purpose-driven company. You know, let's do something really good. And so I was walking outside in my plant. Um, so Richard and I talked about education over and over and over. And I said, I got to do something in education. So I said, listen, I'm going to figure out how to educate the people in my plant because there's a lot of uneducated people out there. You know, we've got a couple hundred of them. And then I'm out there one day and I'm watching these people. This one guy, he's been sanding there. He's been with us 20 years. All he does is sand every day. And I said, what's going to make his life better? You know, he's he's about 60 years old now. And I go, what's going to make his life better is if his kids have a chance at a great life. And so we we started the Home and Helps program. We put everybody that works for us is allowed to go to college. They're allowed to take anything they want. Um, there's, a, there's really no standards. They don't have to get a degree. They just got to go become better people. Um, and, but we gave it to not only them. I, I'm sending all their wives and spe- or their spouses to college and all their kids to college. And, um, you know, it's just coming right out of our pocketbook, but it has created such goodwill down there. I've got about 200 plant employees, but I've got about 200 people in there. Wow. Most of the people in there don't even work for us. A lot of them are going to get their nursing degrees and stuff. They'll never work for Holman, but they will be middle-class families. And that's what, that's what won that award, I think, for us. Um, but we're doing, I think, a really good service to Irving. I just had the mayor featured me uh, last week, had me for a lunch to to honor us on that. And, um, you know, we're just creating goodwill out there and we're creating something that I'd love any other company to do. It's hard for a private health company because, you know, every dollar you spend is a dollar out of the owner's pocket. A lot of owners don't like spending those dollars. But we've got a line of people that want to work for us um, and we've got a real positive working environment. And we're doing something that no one else 
no one else I know has ever done. Have you been invited to any graduations? Not yet. Not yet. This We started about a year and a half ago. Okay. Year, it's a little time before no, you About a year graduation. ago. About a year ago. It started... We kicked it off on uh, April 19th last year, which happened to be my wedding anniversary. Ah. But um, <laughs> we kicked it off on that day. So it's been about a year. I think the first people that got into college were last uh, summer classes in, in uh, June. So it's not quite been a year, actually. So what do you see coming down the line for the locker room business? You know, I think that our main business is going to be um, in the office space coming down the line. Um, there is a lot of competition coming at us um so we're gonna have to stay sharp we're doing we just did the mavericks and the mavericks got really nice lockers but you know you know the lockers are special to people i mean dirk Nowinski's just retired and we just redid his locker room our first lockers were the only lockers he'd ever had so when we went in there cuban we started tearing lockers apart dirk came in freaked out and said, that's the only locker I've ever had. I want that in my house. Hmm. So Cuban, Cuban's like, can you cut that one out really carefully and <laughs> go and install it in Dirk's house? So Dirk does have our locker now, his old locker, installed in his house because he, you know, he'd just been using it for 20 years. Yeah, it's meaningful. Wanted it. You know, meaningful. But it was his only spot in the Mavericks that was his, you know, which is a unique way to look at a locker. Travis Hallman, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. If you want to get a glimpse at some of the projects Travis and his company have worked on, check out Hallman.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. And thank you so much for listening. Listening.